Hi, I'm Joe Posnanski here with Molly Knight. We're talking baseball again. Hi, Molly. Hi. Molly, we have a special guest with us today. I'm I can't wait. Who is it? What is it? Is it is it like candy or what? It's it's <laughs> sort of like candy. Um, not in any way, shape, or form. Michael Shore is with us. Michael. What? Hello. <laughs> oh my gosh. If if I were candy, what candy would I be? Ooh, good my, question. Good question. Um, my favorite kind. I absolutely freaking love your work. I oh, am thank you. Obsessed but the good place. But first of all, Molly, don't say nice things about him. We don't do that here. I'm, a, I'm very, I'm, I'm really not used to <laughs> listening to Joe's voice and hearing nice things said about oh me. Goodness. So no, but what is, what is, I think, I think we're saying, what is your favorite candy there, Molly? That's what we're actually um, saying. I, I got to go like either peanut M&Ms or Reese's Pieces, you know, those are the I, two I correct like answers. a little, little bit of peanut butter with my chocolate. No, wait. Like, the Trader Joe's peanut butter cups. Oh, those are like, delicious. Oh my God. They, those then are... you can't ever have the Reese's peanut butter cups again because they taste like trash because Trader Joe's is perfect. They're, those are All very right. delicious. But Molly, is it... Molly, yeah. we uh, he, Joe and I have talked about this before and I'd like you to weigh in on this. I think this is very important. I yeah. contend okay. that the difference in quality between regular M&Ms and peanut M&Ms oh, yeah. is, is the same as the difference between regular M&Ms and eating a handful of garbage out of your <laughs> yeah. garbage can. Right? Okay. Like, like there's so much better. Peanut M&Ms are so much better than regular M&Ms. It's almost yeah. impossible to calculate, in my well, opinion. Well, I agree, except I won't turn down a regular M&M either. Well, <laughs> like, but interesting. If it's this, there, I'm, I'm into it. This actually happened to me. So yesterday <laughs> I was in Washington. I was the at the hotel and I was like, I'm, I'm like a little snack. And I went into the, the, the little, the little place gift shop on the, on the ground floor and uh, wanted peanut M&Ms. And I went in oh. and all they had was regular M&Ms. No. Didn't get them. Didn't get Whoa. them. That was it. No, no, that, that would, it well, was so listen. disappointing. Of course you didn't get them. The question is, did you call 911? <laughs> That's what I would is what the only logical response in that scenario is to call you, the police. Call did the police. you put a joke about this on the good place? You should have. I, I mean, like because regular Eminem should have been in the bad place. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Yes, like, that, that is the, if if you want to describe if you want to explain exactly the difference between the good place and the bad place, the the if everyone who likes regular M and M's goes to the bad place, and everyone who likes peanut well, M and M's goes I, to the good place. I like exactly. I like even more. You exactly. go to the good place, only regular M and M's available. Right, like, like, right. There's so no you're like, something's like, where the off. where the peanut M and M. No, don't don't. That have should have like, been how spoiler yes. alert how they realized they were actually in the bad place is that exactly. instead of frozen yogurt everywhere, it should have just been regular M and M's only. <laughs> that's, that's so awesome. Her just going. Wait a wait minute. a yeah. second. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then Chidi went on a deep dive explaining all the ingredients. You know? <laughs> all right, all Molly, right uh, enough so of this. Much. Enough all of right. this candy talk. We have baseball yeah. to talk about. Molly, yeah. so much, so, so much, much to so talk much. about. But you know what? We're going to start with Vin Scully because yeah. we have to start with Vin. So, so we lost Vin this week, age ninety four, almost ninety five, almost exactly like uh, like to the day. The age of Buck O'Neill when he passed wow. away. I thought I that was really, that. yeah, it was really interesting because he would have been 95 in November. Yep. And uh, and Buck would have been 95 in November. He died a little bit later. He died in October, but it's still uh, very, very close. Uh, obviously, you know, look, we all have our memories, but but you're there. 
Yeah. You you more than than Mike or I or <laughs> hardly anybody grew up with Vin Scully on the radio. Mm. What I mean, I I know what your emotions uh, have to be like, but I mean, for you especially, what 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 is this? What what are you thinking about? You know, now is with Vin gone. I just I can't think of like I'm trying to rack my brain. Is there another announcer? Maybe Bill Walton. Maybe Bob Uecker. Where? I'm going to watch the game just because of the announcer, right? Yeah. Like yeah. usually the announcer adds something. Like, I love hearing Gus Johnson's excitement on the college football calls. Like it's awesome. And certain, certain people are really good at what they do. And I mean, it, like they, they feel like friends, like, like a Susan Waldman who I just, I, I don't know. I love her, but like, there's nobody that I'm like, I'm just going to leave this crappy game on because of the announcer, which is like, you know, what Vin was. I mean, yeah. he was the event. You could watch like a 13 to nothing blowout because he's, he's telling great stories. And those were often his best calls because he had the time to talk about these people, you know, as human beings. And he talked about the visiting guys as much as the home team, he which did. never happens, you know, it's, ever. It's so true. It's so, you know, and he was given, it's funny you should say it that way because there are guys like Mike and I are, we both love Mike Breen as an yeah. NBA announcer. Just think oh, he's yeah. the greatest. But yeah. even even if Mike Breen and, and Vin is in his own stratosphere, but but let's say Mike Breen is the best in the business right now, which I think he might be. You still got to listen to the other two guys. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean it's, it's not, and Vin was all on his I own. Know. It was just Vin. You know. It, it was just, and then you know, as I when I became an adult and started working at ESPN, and I was like you know, 24, 25. And, and I went into the press box, Dodger stadium and there he was. And I was just like, my heart was racing and it's the way, and I'm sure you guys feel the same way. Like celebrity, it doesn't really, when you're an adult, it's like, okay, it's fine. But like someone who meant that much to you when you were a kid, yeah. when you meet them, it's different. It's like, Oh my God, you know? And he was, as good as advertised. I mean, I, I wrote that you could hear him. Um, he had a fabulous singing voice and he was, um, you, he loved, you know, musicals and show tunes. And you'd often hear, hear his voice, hear him singing a song from Music Man before he, like you'd see him, like when he, when he got there every day and he yeah. held the door. He was such a dapper gentleman, you know, always holding the door for me. Hi, Molly. You know, like <laughs> I, I just, I never, um, I never worked up the the nerve to ask for a photo with him. And it's like going to be one of my life's regrets. And I knew it while it was happening. Molly, get a photo. Molly, get a photo. And I just, I didn't. It just, I don't know why. I just, so that's just, and he wasn't, he gladly would have done it. I was just like, this is my, this is like one of my heroes. And I don't, and I just can't even, I rarely even spoke around him. I just wanted, he just told stories and I just sat there like, mouth shut <laughs> which yeah. is a lot for me because i usually never shut up <laughs> so special. i went to i went to a um uh in 2000 the winter of 2003 before the 2004 season i went to peter gammons has an event in boston called hot stove cool music which music, is like all yeah. these boston bands and uh and they you know get a bunch of players and it's all for charity and uh i went to that event in the winter of of 2003 and it was like, you know, the, the, the season had ended with the Boone home run and the expectations oh, yeah. were through the roof. And they had I think they had just signed 
Schilling and they and and I maybe Keith Folk too. I can't remember if he had been signed by this point. But the point is, is like the entire city was just vibrating. And uh, Tito Francona was at the event and Kevin Millar was at the event and Bronson and Arroyo and all these players. <laughs> the only person I cared about was Joe Castiglione. <laughs> yeah. Joe, yeah. Joe Castiglione yeah. is the the Red Sox equivalent. And yep. he is he is still calling games for the team. He started calling games in 83. Yeah. So I was I was seven years old and I I believe probably the first he was he was uh, doing it with Ken Coleman at the time. And he uh, I it was probably it's probably the case that I heard a Red Sox broadcast before Joe Castiglione started calling them. But I don't remember. All I remember is every single Red Sox game I have ever listened to on the radio from the time that I was as young as I can remember. It was the same guy telling me what was happening. And there is no one's voice in the world that is more important to me, honestly, than Joe Castiglione's. And I I I feel like. What and, and if you think about it, so that's 83. So he's been doing it. Next year will be year 40 for him. Yeah. Ben was 67 years. <laughs> there are 75 year old people out there who have yeah. never heard a Dodger game called yeah. by anybody but right. Vin Scully. And the, the idea that you can get to 75 or something and have it be like, well, there was one guy. There was just one guy who did this for yeah. my entire life. That is so uh, it'll never happen again, obviously. But also, it's not just that he was that guy. He was as good as he was, and he was that guy. That's yeah. that's what's so crazy is that it, I know that you have to be pretty good to keep your job for 67 years, but he was the best who's ever done it, and he did it for that long, and it was a historic franchise. I mean, I all of the stats that have come out about his run are baffling. Like I, my, one of my favorites was that he was inducted into the broadcasting hall of fame after his 33rd year. <laughs> and then he did 34 more years. So he did right. more years as a hall of famer than he had at the moment. I mean, all, all I, I figured out uh, yesterday that in the, in the time that he spent calling Dodger games, the average human being could walk to the moon, <laughs> then walk back then walk to the moon again, then walk back, oh. then then walk to the moon again, <laughs> then God. walk back and then walk to the moon. You could walk back and forth. You could make seven trips back and forth. And so all of there, it's just every stat about him is mind blowing. But the 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 most mind blowing thing about him is just how good he was at his job. And I don't think anyone will ever get close to as good as he was at the job for about a thousand different reasons. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and the other thing, too, that people, I think, kind of forget is that L.A. is like a relatively young city, obviously, compared to, I mean, uh, Native Americans and, and, and Mexico, Mexico was here first. But we didn't have pro sports until, I mean, the Dodgers came here. Dodger Stadium opened in, what, 62. I mean, they left Brooklyn um, and Vin was the voice that introduced yeah. people to not just baseball, but professional sports. I mean, when the, right. when the Dodgers and Giants came west, that was a big, big deal. They we didn't we didn't. I mean, I wasn't alive, but we there it, it wasn't here. There were no pro sports, so it was like my great grandmother, my great grandparents were here listening to Vin Scully, you know, and they loved grew to love the Dodgers because of him. I mean, it yeah. feels like a loss. It also feels like a, a loss of connection to my to my ancestors, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's a loss for everyone West of the Mississippi. 
That's the yeah. right. That's the like until the Dodgers moved and the Giants moved. Yeah, I believe St. Louis was the furthest sure. west that any that's, professional that's baseball team. Yeah. So yeah, the entire western half of the country essentially yeah. was introduced to pro sports by Vin Scully. Uh, the other thing that's crazy about <laughs> him that's worth mentioning here is he called uh, all these other events that I never so, he called the catch. Yeah. He called he the called, catch. He called sure the, the Montana to Dwight Clark. I had no idea. Yeah. I saw yeah. it flew yeah. around Twitter and I saw that. I couldn't believe it. Like that was Vin Scully. Called yeah. He, called, he so- called Henry Aaron's home run. He called um, Larson's uh, perfect game. Larson's yeah. perfect game. He yeah. called uh, Buckner. That's through. It's through his legs. Thank you, know? you, Molly. Thank you for I'm, reminding me of that. I'm yeah, so sorry. He, he did that. He, he, he called. <laughs> kind of it's you. it's really incredible. One of the coolest <laughs> things to me about Scully is, of course, he started in Brooklyn. Uh, you know, Red Red Barber was his you know mentor, which is that in itself is you know Crazy. it's sort of like you know yeah I learned hitting from Babe Ruth right I mean <laughs> you know he, he he was mentor was Red Barber and then. He comes west and they had announcers in California for the Hollywood stars and and others. And, and, you know, there was the thought, oh, you'll just hire some local announcer. And the Dodgers insisted that it be Vin Scully, that Vin be the announcer. And he was, he was young then, you know, he really hadn't become this icon. And, and when he went over there, they said, well, listen, the way we do things here." We want you, you know, we expect you to sort of be a homer, right? We expect you to, you know, root for the home team the way that, you know, many really great announcers have done. Dave Niehaus in Seattle, for example. Um, And Scully said, no, no, the, 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 you know, I learned how to do it from, from Red Barber. There's, there's a way to do it. And, and I'm going to, you know, keep calling the game. And like you said, Molly, you know, talking as much about the visiting team as the home team. And what he did in doing that, in addition to it being, you know, being in, he, he's the greatest, he kind of made L.A. major league. Like all of that yeah. homerism was kind of minor league stuff. And yeah. and Vince Scully came in and they're like, oh, this is different this is this is major league baseball right? where where it's you know you 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 have announcers that aren't just sitting there screaming at the umpire for screwing up and 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 whatever but but you know he brought this regal quality and of course everybody knows you know that for years and years uh from the very beginning people would be tr- bring transistor radios to the ball game so you could actually hear Vince Scully everywhere you went <laughs> you would hear echoes of Vince Scully and you know, he was the biggest announcer. In addition to being the best, he was also, I think, far and away the most important announcer to a city that has ever been, I think. I, yeah, I read somewhere, um, whoever was in charge of Super Bowl programming went to a Dodger game and thought, I went to the bathroom, you know, mid-inning and, and still was able to hear yeah. what was going on. And he thought, oh, this is genius. They're, they're piping in the speakers in the bathroom so people can hear what's going on. No, they weren't. People just had their, there were so many people holding transistor radios that you could hear it. And so from then this guy changed it. I, I don't know his name, but I'm sure he's famous, but he, he, he totally changed it so that at the Super Bowl now, I mean, from that point on, there, there are speakers in the bathroom. You don't, you know, you hear all the plays. Yeah. And that's like, what? I mean, just little <laughs> things like that, that are so crucial because we know how long it takes to wait for a freaking hot dog or whatever and you're not <laughs> missing the action. You know what's interesting is now, um, amazingly, 
the Dodgers have found a guy in Joe Davis who is he's not like Vin. Um, he doesn't he doesn't tell as many stories. He doesn't wax as poetic, but his calmness and his his like very restrained demeanor is in the same sort of general family, I would say, as Vin. And he took over this job when he was like 29 and he's really good at it. And now he's calling the all star game. And he's calling he's getting all these big jobs. And, and, and it I wonder whether the Dodgers aren't about to go on their second consecutive run of having one guy call games for like 60 years, because it's totally possible if Joe Davis wants the job that he does this for the next five decades, I think. I mean, you know, what's so inspiring about that, too, for me personally, is like he had the guts to say yes to that job. I yes. mean, like, I, and he's and he's not, he does not think he in any way he's as good as Vin or going to be better or whatever. But like, imagine knowing you're going to have to go into that chair, knowing some people are going to, you're always going to be compared. And some people are just going to, you're already starting at a deficit, you know? Yeah. yeah. You're replacing God. And like, <laughs> he believed in himself enough to be like you know what this is really scary but i'm just i'm gonna try to make it my own and and just it's sort of inspiring honestly you know it really is and look it really is that that is you know nobody wants that alabama job after nick saban right no. nobody nobody wants uh to you know nobody wanted to replace casey stengel and the yankees nobody wanted uh -huh. to you know it's, it's nobody wanted to replace our backer Bill Russell with the Celtics, <laughs> that it's so it's impossible. But this is yeah. even more, I think, tricky because at least if you replace like one of those guys and you win like championships or whatever, then then you've done fine. There's no championship for right. Joe Davis to win, right? Like he just has to day by day by day being excellent, which he is. Yeah. He has to win people over. And you know, I I don't know who else could have done it, but I mean, I, I really think he's great. I mean, I think he's yeah. terrific. And, and clearly he is, he is following the Vin path in that he is the Fox baseball guy, but he's a Dodger announcer first. Like that's, yeah. that's the real job for him. And uh, you know, I think the Dodgers did amazingly well. He's just a professional and like, he never makes an ass of himself. You know, no. he never gets no. caught saying something ridiculous or i don't know there's there's just nick like, castellanos has not hit one home exactly, run on Joe Davis's exactly <laughs> just it's just steady and solid it's awesome like and that is all you can ask for um i would be remiss if i didn't mention my favorite joe castiglione moment of all time please in this discussion about announcers which is that in the 2018 playoffs uh the Reds, 108 win Red Sox were trying to close out the Astros in game four, I guess, or maybe they're, they're trying to close them out. They were just trying to win game four and Kimbrell was in and Kimbrell was at the time was in this, the midst of getting uh, lit up, getting into trouble every time. Nothing's he changed. In. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And um, I think they, I think he like walked the bases loaded or gave up a hit in two walks or something. And there were two outs. And I think it was Bregman ripped a ball to left and Andrew Benintendi came in and made an incredible lunging, diving catch to save the game. And Castiglione in the middle of the call was so excited. He fell out of his chair. And if, <laughs> and if you, and if you listen to it, it's you, you can kind of tell, you can kind of hear no it, way. but, 
but he is such a professional that he like just collected himself and climbed back up and just kept broadcasting. Um, and uh, and it, it's like a, it's exactly what you want out of your team's announcers that he's so excited at something that he falls out of his chair, that's, but he's also so, so professional that he keeps talking. That's so awesome. That is amazing. I need to yeah. go find that call. Yeah, it's Falling great. out of the chair is something I would do, but being composed enough to not mention it is something I would not Well, that's do. the thing. There's, there's, a very, there's a very famous call by Larry Munson, who used to be the the Georgia football uh, announcer was hilarious, was just this down South screaming, yelling announcer. And on one of the most famous plays in Georgia history, when they beat Florida on a long pass, he started screaming and literally in the middle starts like he's screaming touchdown. I broke my chair. He's like literally <laughs> screaming about falling out of his chair. And uh, so, yeah, for, for Joe to fall out of his chair and then pop right back up. There you go. It's a pro. He's the best. Love you, Joe. Love you, Joe Castiglione. He's so good. He's so good. All right, Molly. So we've uh, we've covered Vin. Yeah. Let me give you. Let me let me throw another bit of Dodger horrible news to you there to get oh, going. Oh God. Yeah. This doesn't look good with Clayton Kershaw. It doesn't. This does not look good. So for those of you who missed it, Kershaw came out of. So we're recording this Friday. Kershaw came out of Thursday night's game, um, clearly saying it was his back again. Yeah. Uh, which he has since confirmed as of last I'd heard uh, we, we don't know anything yet, like as far as uh, real detail, but I don't know that we need to know anything. I mean, it's, he's got, he's got a, a back issue that was bad enough for him to come out of a game. He's, he's had back issues for the last, however many years. It's not good. It's, it's not good. It's not good. And you know, the Dodgers, um, Andrew Friedman really for, the first, well, I think it was maybe 2000, all the years are starting to run together. I mean, they're so successful. It's like all the years yes. are starting to run together for me. Yep. One of those years, maybe it was 2019 he, where he didn't really do much at the deadline, but it was, it was a really quiet deadline. Really. They just kind of, sh they shipped some guys out um, and got prospects. I mean, they, they shipped Jake Lamb and Mitchell White out and got some lottery tickets. They didn't really add. And they are they're, to be fair to Friedman. I mean, this is the best team right now that I've oh, ever seen. Yeah, so this, team is, and, this team is ridiculous. It's and ridiculous. they have they have Dustin May coming back. They have Bruce Dargrader all coming back. They have Blake Trinan coming back. They have I mean Chris Taylor coming back. I mean those guys are are just as good, if not better, as anyone you could get on the trade market besides Juan Soto, obviously. Um, so I kind of agree that you you don't really need a Juan Soto. Um, no, I don't think, but, I don't think so. But last year, you know, the reason they, they couldn't beat the Braves is because they ran out of pitching. They really only had, I mean, Scherzer had a dead arm. Kershaw was out. They only really had two starters and, and, and they used one of them, Julio Urias, um, to close in some of those games. And so he, he, his arm was kind of dead. And so you can never have too much starting pitching. And that's, that's the issue now with Kershaw and because Bueller's out as well and and if neither one of those guys can come back for October it's it's dicey I gotta say it's dicey it's dicey although I gotta say every pitcher on that team is like 12 and one right like isn't like like, yeah, I, like I, got, I think Gonsolin's gonna regress though he's yeah. never thrown I mean this many innings he's gonna like double his previous season high and you can't ask for him to have a ERA under two for an entire no. year. That's, no. that's, I mean, Rios is probably the ace. Anderson's been incredible. If Haney can stay healthy, I mean, it's just, 
Who knows, man? I mean, they have they're going to win the division because they're up what like twelve or thirteen games right now. No, they, 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 you know, it's funny because they they kind of started off the year. Mike and I remember, remember we talking about this back in April. They started off the year they were fine. It was, but they were just kind of they kicking were around. They were uneven. They were yeah, they were uneven. kicking around a little bit. They were still they were in second or first or third or second. Yeah. I mean, bouncing around. Now they have best record in baseball, and and I they, mean, you just are surprised any night they lose anymore. I mean, Mookie Betts, I don't know. He is now swinging at the first pitch 40% of the time since like, I think it's since July 1st or since the all-star or something. He is going to shatter his home run record. He's this little dude. I mean, he's bigger than me, but he's like compared to all the other boppers and like top of the home runs, he's tiny. You know, and he's like in the—I believe he's like in the top ten in in in, in the majors in home runs. I mean, and he's only played eighty-eight games. Like yeah. that—that's—that's what is remarkable about this to me is he has yeah. he has twenty-five homers already in eighty-eight games. I mean, that's he's, whatever a forty-seven home run pace or something for the for a full season. He's the best person who's ever lived. He's the, he's the greatest. <laughs> he's the greatest living right. American. That's right. There's I, mean, a, I I want him to be happy and to have a life yeah. that is full and rich. And um, I want him to enjoy himself in all matters <laughs> there uh, was this, all the time. That's the, all I want. In this game uh, yesterday, this really weird thing happened. This Giants reliever like struck somebody, struck out a rookie and then was like trying to pick a fight with Mookie Betts. Who he, was did, on he did. He did the hit the fist head, to the side of the, the head. Celebration. Uh, and the Mookie celebration. Betts was like confused. But yeah, was like, was like, what do you say? What? And I'm like, I'm sorry. Who picks a fight? I'm sorry. Like, I know, obviously, you know, battle competitiveness. I don't really care when guys get animated, whatever. Nobody, no punches were thrown. It's fine. But like, imagine getting mad at Mookie Betts. Like, what? <laughs> I mean, he is the coolest, right? He's, he's the best. He's, just, he's, he's so good. His personality is so great. Like, wh- how? How do you get mad at that guy? It's just, Wild. You can't. He's the greatest living American. And <laughs> right. I, the 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 thing about him swinging at the first pitch, is the the story in 2018 was when Cora came over to the Red Sox, he went the one of the first things he did was he went to Mookie and said like, "Hey, I need to tell you what the book is on you," because he had come from the Astros. Oh yeah. And he was like, "We know that you don't swing at the first pitch, so the, we just everybody just pumps a strike in right away. They throw fastball <laughs> right away to get ahead of you." And you should start swinging at the first pitch. And then he went nuclear and had an 11 war season and had his, you know, he in 136 games that year, he had 32 homers and he had a thousand OPS and it, and it was, he came out of the gate just crushing the first pitch. He had 47 doubles that year. He, he also had like almost a one-to-one walk to strikeout ratio, which he generally does most years. He has like, you know, he had 91 strikeouts and 81 walks that year. And I and I've been interested in the time he's been on the Dodgers when I've watched him. It has seemed to me that he was a little less aggressive on that first pitch. He was. And I always kind of wondered why maybe it was like adjusting to the league or maybe maybe they maybe people changed up the book on him. I don't know. But you're right. He is now coming up there and just jumping on first pitches and 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 destroying them. And it's so joyous to watch. I just I, I just think. Again, uh, you know, we've been through this a million times, Joe and I have, but I, it's one of the most 
basically nothing good has happened to the Red Sox since they since they let him go. Uh, and the and that includes getting all the way to the ALCS last year. Um, but they they just lost what they lost when they lost him was was this was this sense that yeah. like, look, this guy is just joyous and excellent and is an anchor for the entire team and yeah. holds down the fort and is the is the is the center of the of the team in every possible way and the i and like basically it, not only is nothing good happened to the red sox really since he left but everything about the way that they play has gone south their defense has gone completely south their lineup is rocky and uneven there's just no sense of like whose team it is. Yeah. And it's uh, and I think that the, the thing that you, the, the, I hate using this word, but the intangibles of Mookie bets yeah. are so uh, actually tangible that uh, you see now with the Dodgers, you, like you said, they start off the year kind of in, a, in the, in April, they're kind of middling and then you blink and they go 21 and five or whatever in July. Right. Yeah. And they're just like, yeah, they're right. Dave Roberts coming into this year was like, we're going to win the World Series. And I don't know that you uh, can replicate that attitude anywhere else on any other team if you don't have guys like Mookie Betts up and down your lineup. Yeah, I, I look I mean, yesterday. I mean, yeah. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say yesterday he came up in the ninth inning and um, or eighth or ninth. I forget. And and he ground he, he made an out and it was the first time. Um, so he went over whatever over four and it was the first game all season where uh Mookie Trey Turner and Freddie Freeman all three of them were in the lineup together and and one of them didn't get a hit (laughs) wow and and really Trey and and Freddie have played every day and Mookie I think missed like 10 days or he's missed maybe I don't even know yeah it was like about 10 days yeah 10 days that's it so you're like what I mean, it is, it is absurd. Well, they're absurd. I mean, they're, they're that, that line. Look, Gavin Lux is an all-star now. An all-star. Gavin Lux is so good. <laughs> that guy is so good. Like no one, it's so, it's wild. He hits what? Eighth or ninth in their lineup. Yep. And he's now hitting over 300 and his on base percentage is one of the best on the team. And it's yep. you, like, no one even knows who he is. And he, he would be the second or third best hitter on almost every major league. <laughs> or, or best or best. Hitter. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, you know, it's funny. Free on base percentage. <laughs> yeah. But it's funny because uh, you talk about Mookie Betts and what he meant to the Red Sox. Mike and I went into <clears throat> extreme thoughts on, on that subject. And one of the thoughts that I have, and we actually talked about it, like, the, like, like, Instead of teams, fans should be allowed to put a franchise tag on certain players so that they never leave. <laughs> like yeah. fans ought to be like, you sorry, we are putting the franchise tag on Mookie Bats. So whatever money amount of money he wants, you got to pay him. That's it. We that we we will we are putting all of our fanhood into that. And and of course, you know, that's not how it works. And so much is built around oh, being smart, making smart decisions. But to me. That is the travesty of the Juan Soto trade. That's, and I, I, I get it. I talked, I was just in Washington and talked to Nationals fans who said they weren't going anywhere with him. You got to, you got to cash in when you can. He wasn't going to resign with them, blah, blah, blah. All of those things being fine. And if, if, you know, the, the whole thing is it's all about winning, it's all about winning. But I don't, 
think it is all about winning. That's, I that's think it's about, wash. yeah, it's about memories and about, about connection. And, and I mean, I'm a kid in Washington. All I want to do is like be Juan Soto. Mm-hmm. Like how, how could you be cooler than Juan Soto? You can't. And, and the nationals are just mm-hmm. like, you know, two years away, they trained him to a team that, that financially mm-hmm. should absolutely not be able to afford him any more than they can. And they get prospects and those prospects might end up being good. They might not. We have no idea. But who are you now? You're nobody. You're nobody. There's no reason to go to a Nationals game. And and while I have uh, respect for those who are like, yeah, you know what? It's it's the right move for the right time. You have to do it, blah, blah, blah. I just don't buy any That's of it. Stockholm syndrome. It is. I mean- that my, my dear friend, Ethan, born and raised in D.C., diehard Nationals fan, he's in mourning right now. He's yeah. like, this sucks. He hated it when they when they traded Trey. You know, right. he lives here in L.A., so he'd go to Dodger games in this Nationals Trey Turner jersey and cheer for him. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he's like, he's got a three-year-old, four-year-old son who's a Nationals fan, and it sucks. You know, I mean, he's going to try to go to San Diego to see Soto just because he loves him. I mean, his favorite player, right? I mean, right. it's just it's awful. These it's, teams convince is, you that they can't afford it. And it's crap. Look at the Padres. Yeah. Exactly. Well, there's also, there's, there, there's a, the, the real problem here is that the nationals had Bryce Harper. Yep. They had Max Scherzer. Yep. They had Steven Trey Turner. Trey Turner. They, they had, uh, they had, uh, Rendon. Uh, and Anthony Rendon and they had Steven Strasburg. They locked up Strasburg who basically hasn't pitched for them since. They lost all four of those other guys and now they've lost Soto. Yeah. Like that is that's got to be one of the worst runs of decision making in the history of baseball. It has like to be. they tra- they lost two free agency or traded five out of the six stars on their team and the one guy they locked up forever has never hasn't played since. That's incredible. Well, Ren- Ren- I mean Rendon Rendon has too. been a mess. But yes, you're you're absolutely right. They they picked they went all in on the wrong on the wrong guy. Well, they, let, and- they got Boris. Yeah. <laughs> but they didn't get Boris with uh, reps- with with, yeah. with Harper. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like they let Harper walk. And I remember when, you know, at the time you you guys remember Harper was coming off of a couple of like, eh, not so great seasons. And you wondered if he'd ever be that MVP again, whatever the case may be. And they offered him like 200 million and he turned it down and, and they cried poverty. Couldn't go above that. Whatever the case, Philadelphia has no more, like power than the Washington nationals do. They have no more money. They have no more draw. Like you're not, it's not like, it's not like people are dying to play for the Phillies. They haven't been any good in years. And, and yet the Phillies were able to get them by, by basically outbidding everybody else, by giving them a little bit more money than other teams were willing to give them. And, 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 you know, attaching in a couple of extra years to do it. Nationals could have done that. They could have done that. And the nationals could have Bryce Harper, Juan Soto in the same outfield. And absolutely. And, and they didn't. And they didn't. And, you know, later, I think there is a little Stockholm syndrome where you're like, oh, well, you know, this will this will what? Like, what is this one sort of trade going to do for them? They're going to stink for the next five years and yeah. then hope that like some of those guys, that, that's not enough. Even if even if all those guys worked out, that's not enough to be any good. So you need like those guys to work out and then you need to get a bunch of other people. They have nothing. They're starting at zero. And I saw something that really blew my mind. So after this trade, they got what five 
pretty good prospects, three top level prospects. They moved into number eight in the minor league uh, system. Oh God! They're the eighth <laughs> best after that trade. Oh my God! So it's like, like what? Why even? I just, I, I. It, to me, it breaks my heart. It breaks my heart for for yeah. Washington fans. And and look, I, I feel great for San Diego fans, but. I got to tell you, San Diego fans already had stars galore. Like that wasn't there. There was, there was, I mean, if Tatis Jr. is the coolest player in MLB, he hasn't played this year, but he is the, he is the coolest. Yeah. So now they have like what, two of the maybe top three coolest players. And Machado's awesome. And, and, you know, they've got player after player. And the funny thing is it's, it's, you know, we talk about how it does for the nationals. What does this do for the Padres? I mean, you have Juan Soto, you're great. You're still not as good as the Dodgers. Well, right? I don't know. Oh, man. I mean, look, you're, yes, of course, you're not as good as the Dodgers because the Dodgers up and down their lineup and their pitching staff and everything else is great. Right. But if you have a seven game series and it's Padres Dodgers, are you are you more than 60 percent sure the no. Dodgers win that series? No, I'm not. But I, I'm not. No, but I'm not more than 60 percent sure in any seven game series. Are you? I mean, you know, uh, that, that Red Sox team in when they won in 18, was it 18? Yeah, friend, that was, I think, the best team I've seen in the last. Well, they were. That's years. I think that's right. Mm-hmm. Not only the best team, but the best team playing the best. Yes. Right. Yes. Like, like at some point that team, you were like. They're yeah. unbeatable. There was the Dodgers. Had, unbeatable. The Dodgers had. I mean, and that was actually right though, because that was crazy. The Dodgers had no business on the field with them, and they almost, they almost stole that series. They almost tied that series up two games to two. But then you know, Dave Roberts pulled Rich Hill, and Trump yeah. got involved. And the whole <laughs> I mean, they because they almost they won that that wacky you know eighteen inning insane game, um, seven hour game, and that was wild. almost. You're right. They almost. They almost tied that series and they were nowhere near as good as the rest. But that's the crazy thing is that that Dodger team won 103 games or 104 games or whatever it was. And the Astros team that they beat had won 102 games and the Yankees team that they beat and had had won a hundred games. Like they sliced, they they sliced through 300 win teams like a hot knife through butter. And, and it was, it was only that seven, 18, 19 inning game, whatever it was that Devaldi ended up coming in in the, 12th and throwing seven innings that 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 allowed the Dodgers to even steal a game it it really was uh it was you've never seen anything like that team no. and the, no. and the no. weird thing about this year to me no. heading into the the home stretch here is you've got a team like that in each league the Yankees are doing that in the American mm-hmm. League the Dodgers are doing that in the National League there is this titanic a clash of East coast and West coast that everybody I think assumes we're going to see. And yet the Yankees can't beat the Astros. They can't and, beat if the Astros. The, and if the Dodgers <laughs> face the Padres and, and yeah. Soto or, and Machado and Tatis get hot or the Mets or Atlanta or the Mets or Atlanta, yeah, or, the, I mean, Atlanta I think... or, or the, or the Brewers, who the hell knows? I like <laughs> that, that this is, this is what's, this is what is great about this game is the Red Sox in in 2018 beat up all of those 100-win teams. And yet, as I said earlier, they came within a Andrew Benintendi diving catch against Bregman of like going, having to yeah. go to game five in Houston. They almost, they the Yankees beat them in game two in, in Boston in the ALDS. Uh, you know, they, it's not like they, they didn't sweep. It wasn't 4-4-4. Four, four, four. Like Moses Malone <laughs> said at that time, you know what I mean? Like it's not they they 
that these games are are 55 45 splits even in the most dominant yeah. scenarios and the, so the only team is- the only team i've ever seen that i knew 100% was going to win every series and, and roll with a 98 yank i was going to finish yeah. your sentence yeah. yep yeah that's the only one they went into that playoffs and look it was, baseball was different then and <laughs> and you know there was it was there was no luxury tax, right? It was, everything was pretty, or, or it was virtually yeah. nothing. And the Yankees were way better than everybody else. And, and it was, it was silly. Um, but yeah, baseball isn't built for that. I would be, would I be surprised if it was Yankees Dodgers? Of course not. That's what you think is going to happen. Would I be surprised if it was Brewers twins? Yeah, mildly, I guess, you know, I mean, well, here's and here's the last thing I'll say about this, because obviously it's it's not super interesting to say anybody can win a playoff series like we all know that. But you know what? Who no one is talking about who's really good is the St. Louis Cardinals. (laughs) Always the the St. Louis Cardinals, like very quietly, they do the Cardinal thing where they don't get they're not in on Juan Soto, because, of course, why would they they would they're never in on that guy but they quietly improve their team. They pick up Quintana and you look at the, if you look at the war leaders in the, in the entire MLB, do you know that their infield is two, three, and six? It's Goldschmidt, Goldschmidt, Arenado, and Edmund. First base, third base, second base. That's one, that's two, three, and six in the entire goddamn league. Oh yeah. uh, In terms of wins above replacement. And so you have this like, The Cardinals thing, the Cardinals are the ultimate fly under the radar team every single year. And that doesn't mean they win everything, but, but they are now tied with the Brewers. They've caught all the way up to the Brewers. They have a 40, they're 40 runs better in run differential. They're getting hot at the right time. The Brewers are collapsing at the right time for them. And then sudden, and so you look up and you're going into a scenario where maybe the, the Cardinals get catch a catch a wild card team or something and they beat them up and then maybe the Dodgers beat the Mets in the first round or whatever. And suddenly like, man, all the Cardinals have to do is beat <laughs> one good team to get to the world series. Like, right. That's how this works. Right. And, 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 pro- and they really probably will have the top two MVP voters probably and Aaron yeah. Yeah. and, and Goldschmidt. So, you know, that going in, they're going to have a chance. All right. Before we go, cause, cause we, we are running out of time. Um, I have to ask both of you, Molly and I have had, multiple discussions about this mike and i have had multiple discussions about this i think we hit an amazing new low for the angels last night oh my god so the <laughs> angels <laughs> i was waiting for this angels oh hit god. seven home runs yesterday two of them by okay. the most exciting guy in the here you know in the history of the world shohei otani seven home runs two by otani and they lost the game. Mm. Is that the Angels? I mean, is that like like if you were writing like the book on the on the Angels, is that like your whole story? I mean, everything Ugh. is everything is in there. It's Molly. What's what what's the deal? I mean, it is so bad. I know you guys have seen the tungsten Armo Doyle tweet. Obviously, the meme. I was about, just looking. I was just going to look and, it up so I could read it. <laughs> oh my god! And it's so yeah. Can you if you find that tweet i mean it got so bad that like i think six weeks ago one of the one of the uh like top angel discussion boards on reddit they the moderator banned the use of that term (laughs) because it was so bad and i think that actually cursed them even worse 
The tweet is it's at Matt Tomic on Twitter. M-A-T-T-T-O-M-I-C. The tweet is every time I see an Angels highlight, it's like Mike Trout hit three home runs and raised his average to 528, while Shohei Otani did something that hasn't been done since Tungsten Arm O'Doyle of the 1921 <laughs> Akron Groomsman as the Tigers defeated the Angels eight to three. <laughs> it's one of the most iconic baseball tweets of all time. It yeah. really is. It's absolutely perfect. It's exactly right. Every single, I, I, there was a stat the other day that uh, that blew my mind, which was, it was like through, let me see if I can get it. Here it is. It's, it was CBS sports on Twitter. Uh, put this up. It's uh, through his first 50 career starts as a pitcher and 500 games as a hitter. Shohei Otani has more strikeouts than DeGrom and a lower ERA than Garrett Cole Incredible. and, <laughs> and more home runs than Ted Williams and more RBI than Ken Griffey Jr. <laughs> it's, it's incredible. They've, that they've got that guy. That's one guy they've got yeah. him. And they've also got Mike Trout who now is hurt and, and maybe seriously, but they are, they have been completely and utterly irrelevant, irre, uh, irrelevant yeah. every single day that Mike Trout has been on their team. Oh, it yeah. is just incredible. God. But they, but here's the thing. They've been, utterly mediocre, right? This this will be the seventh straight year they've had a losing record, but that losing record is almost always like 79 and 83 or whatever. They're terrible this year. Unwatchable. Unwatchably bad. And remember, they were like in first place after a month or whatever. They mean it was it was like Taylor Ward was their was the new superstar and they're 17 games under 500 now. I got so excited. I wrote a post that, or a newsletter that was titled, Oh my God, the angels are relevant. <laughs> and then they lost like 18 of 20. <laughs> it was like, I mean, look, they are um, two, three and a half games ahead of the athletics who are not trying to win. Not trying. Yeah. yeah that's Actively right. not trying. Here's- oh, four, I'm sorry. Four games as, as of this podcast, they are so- 44 and 61. So here's the question. Let, and we'll end with this, I guess, if we're out of time. Otani has one more year of ARB after this year, 2023, and then he's a free agent. He'll be 28 or 29 years old. What happens to that guy? That guy doesn't re-sign with the Angels, no, I don't no, think. No, no chance. But, you know, the, he. so there are a lot of places he might go are the Yankees the destination? Are the is it is it the Mets? Does Steve Cohen say this is the guy I give <laughs> half a billion dollars to to steal all the headlines from the Yankees? What happens to make a prediction now? Let's get on the record now. Where does it where's Otani playing in 2024 and beyond? Interesting. Molly. Gosh. Um, I'm gonna say either the Dodgers or the Mariners. I think Ooh. he stays on the West Coast. I'm basing this on nothing except. Interesting. I, I, I kind of feel like I kind of feel like he would have signed with the Yankees initially if they wanted. I don't know, but you know what? Now that he's gotten a taste of this, he might want it. Like <laughs> I don't know as far away from Anaheim as possible. I yeah. Well, I it could be Steve Cohen. You're right. It really could. I got to tell you, I, you said Seattle and that was actually the team in my mind. And I'll tell you why, I'll tell you why. I mean, obviously Seattle with its great history of (laughs) Japanese players and whatever. Um, But I'll tell you what else interests me. You go to the Yankees. Look, one thing that he has made clear is he wants to do both. He wants to pitch and he wants to hit. 
Obviously, now he's so good at both. It, it's pretty clear that that's, you know. They'll let him do whatever he wants. Yeah. But it wasn't that way when he signed. Like, a lot of people were unbelievable, as they should have been, because nobody's ever done it. They were super skeptical that he could do it. And one of the reasons he signed with the Angels was because they said, we'll let you pitch and we'll let you hit. Now anybody would. Everybody would do that to sign him. But what if he goes somewhere and he doesn't pitch well for a month or a month and a half? You go to the Yankees and you don't pitch well for a month. And then the fans say, make him a DH. This is ridiculous. We don't, we, you know, this is the, he's, he's got to stop doing both. And there's a huge amount of pressure on, on the Yankees because they're going to be competing to win and, and they're going to have to try to make decisions. Uh, same thing with the Mets, kind of even the same thing with the Dodgers. I think he goes to a team that's up and coming like Seattle. That just seems like a, a great fit. It's on the West coast. He, he, you know, he'll come in, they'll understand, Hey, the only reason I'm signing with you is because I'm going to do this, right. I'm going to, you're going to have to stick with me. If I go through a slump as a pitcher or a hitter, doesn't matter. I'm, I'm, this is why I'm signing with you guys. And like, that feels like a more comfortable fit. Obviously though, if you went to New York or LA, you know, he becomes as massive a superstar as maybe anybody in American sports. So I, I don't know how tempting that is to him to become LeBron, basically. If he wants that, then he would go to New York and, 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 uh, or LA and, and make that happen. Uh, but I, I think that it's, it's more baseball for him. And I, I think it doesn't have to exactly be Seattle. It could be like a Milwaukee or something, you know, somebody else that would surprise you with the amount of money they would spend. Uh, but I think he might go to more to a team like that. That's my guess. I well, Seattle thought they had him. That's another thing. Seattle right. thought they walked away apparently from, from the negotiations thinking like, okay, we got our guy. And they're, they clearly, they, with each row, they, Seattle established itself as like a, a, the hotbed of, of the Japanese uh, players. So I wonder whether he doesn't do something where it's in the Carlos Correa mold where oh, it's exactly. not three years it, or something. It's not the 10 year, 500 Christ. million thing. It's like, I'm going to sign for three years, you know, 165 million, right. 55 million a year, right, right. three years in Seattle. See if it's a good fit. Maybe it's four years with an opt out after two or something. Yeah. And That's just, what Correa has, right? He has an opt out yeah, after one, opt- right? After every year. Yes, yeah. He's an opt yeah. out after year one and year two. So, uh, so I, I, I wonder what, whether he doesn't say I'm 29, I'm going to go to a new team and get like, get more money than I could ever spend in my life. But also if it doesn't work out for yeah. whatever those reasons are, because they don't want me to pitch anymore or whatever, I have the option of, of bolting and someone else will still pay me because I'll only be 32 or something. Yeah. That's my prediction. That's a really smart thought because he's probably scarred from, you know, locking in anywhere too, given, given how miserable yeah. it's been losing. Like he, like these guys, as, you know, I remember Clayton Kershaw didn't want to sign. You know, they offered him it was a record amount of money. It was like three hundred million, but it was fifteen years. I mean, this yeah. is back in like two thousand and fourteen, and he was like, you know, he's like, I'm I'm twenty five. I don't want to or twenty. I can't imagine that long. Yeah. You know, like it's too it's too many years, right? Like I, this is not going to work. Or twenty seven. I don't know. I think um, in, I could I could see. That. I think in general. For, for for the superstar um player the true elite player i think that correa contract is is a is a touchstone going forward i think yeah. more and more guys 
are going to start. It's going to be more like the NBA where it's like, you know, in the NBA now, it's like they sign, <clears throat> excuse me, they sign, you know, two year deals or three year deals. And then after one year, they're like, all right, I don't want to play here anymore. Trade me. <clears throat> and I, I think for me, for baseball players, you might get more now that the money is so huge, you might get more deals where it's like, I'm going to sign a five year deal with an opt out after two. And I know that in those two years, I'll make $85 million. So but there's no real risk, you know, like, uh, uh, in, in, um, you know, uh, hurting myself, I don't need to lock myself in right. to a 10 year deal anywhere because I need to know where the teams are going <clears throat> to be right. Like no, who, who would have guessed five years ago that the Padres would be this aggressive Incredible. in terms of going and get guys. So like there might be guys right now who, you know, ordinarily would sign seven year, eight year deals somewhere, but they might think like, you know what, I'm going to sign a deal. I would opt out after two. And if the Padres are really hot and they're winning and they seem like they're set up for, to win a world series, maybe I'll go join the Padres after a couple of years or whatever. They, they might just get yeah. more, they might get more aggressive. The players might get more aggressive in terms of where, uh, in terms of flexibility. Um, now that, now that the average annual value of their contracts is so high. Well, that's what I think. I I've always <laughs> thought the players ought to go for more, uh, average annual, like, you know, the, like the, like the uh, Nationals offered Juan Soto a four hundred million dollar deal and went to the press. Look at us, we offered him what, but it was a it was a fifteen year deal. Yeah, so it was like twenty nine million a year, which is you know that's that place him roughly like eighteenth in baseball right now, much less what it's going to be like in in five years for you know for for the hottest guy ever coming out on on free agency. I don't. I've always thought like when Harper. I really thought this with Bryce Harper. I'm like, Bryce Harper came out. Remember, he was a fight and a struggle. The Yankees didn't want in and the Red Sox didn't want in. The Dodgers kind of didn't want in. And, and it was like, oh, what are you going to do? Where are you going to get your money? And it seemed so important to him and his and his people for him to break the, the record for the most, you know, biggest contract. I thought three-year, $150 million deal. Like, like yeah. Just, that's just, what the Dodgers try to. It, it, that's that's like I think the Dodgers try to do a three or four year deal, and he and with a lot of money. I think it was over forty million yeah. a year, and he didn't do it. That's what you spun. I mean, to me, that's what you do, and and trust yourself that at the end of that, you'll be able to get another three year deal for big money. You know, and I, it's funny because it in so many ways it goes against exactly all the things that I love about baseball that players can stay in the same place forever, and 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 you know that's not going to happen so much in the NBA yeah. anymore, you know, this is, this is, it's, it's over, but realistically, if teams are going to trade Juan Soto when they still have him under the control for two more years, then I kind of think the days of Ripken are over anyway, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And have been for a while. I mean, yeah. even your best case scenario now in terms of longevity is that a guy plays seven or eight years for one team and then eight or nine years for another team. But no one, no one's staying in the same place for 20 years. Uh, right. There's except no, there's the, no Carl Yastrzemski's anymore. Except, yeah. except for these guys signing these 15 year deals, like, like Tatis <laughs> signing these big, huge deals right when they start, you know, but yeah. even they, even they are going to look if Tatis is, is doesn't, you know, he can't stay healthy and he doesn't live up to his potential then that contract's going to be a burden in yeah, five, well, six, seven years. They'll pay 50% of it to get to unload right. him on the, right. on the right. Cardinals or something. And, and if he's the fantastic <laughs> Fernando Tatis that we always do, it's going to be a ripoff for him. Like he's yeah. going to be worth <laughs> so much more. That's the problem with those long-term contracts. Well, all right, Molly, look at this. We we had Mike Shore as a guest. How about so that? so fun. This has been the highlight. 
of my month. I mean, I, I've been so we're young in the month, but it's been the highlight of the last couple of weeks for me. It's the best thing that's happened to you since uh, Monday. Since, yeah, no, it's the best thing that's happened since I caught COVID two weeks ago, for sure. This yeah, has been lovely. Was, this has been I was so gonna good. Say, it has been it has been good and it is the best thing that's happened to you. But that's not really a tough competition to win like if, <laughs> like if i had brought tommy fam on here it would have been like you know, oh my you god i would have been so excited to find out everything about the fantasy football league i mean <laughs> that oral history is going to be i can't banger. wait for you to do it molly oh. you you are the one to do it oh you make that your life's work oh that is god. that's your life's work now is you why and jock was, peterson and tommy fam why was mike trout the commissioner you can't make like it's like making Mike Trout the manager. You can't make someone that good run things. He's got other stuff to do. That's right. He's so not the person you he's make. Not confrontational. <laughs> he's like whatever. You make a starting pitcher. You make Ross Stripling, the really super smart guy who only plays baseball once a week. You make yeah. him the commissioner. Craig right? Breslow. Craig Breslow should be <laughs> exactly. the, the, the commissioner of every fantasy league. You know, you know who should have been commissioner of all leagues? Brandon McCarthy. That's who should be exactly. commissioner. Because you know he would insult you and like you'd come to him with some complaint yeah. and he'd be like, don't care, not interested. Yeah. Meanwhile, Mike Trout's like, all right, oh let's my see God. what I can do. I mean, come Mike on. Trout, who like became a dad and he's the best player on the planet. And he has and he loves like, weather. Debilitating I mean, back injuries, hiding. He's busy, you know. He is busy. I really hope he's okay. Uh, we all yeah, do. Man. We all do. Anyway. All right, Molly. Thanks so much. This was wonderful. Thanks. This was thanks. Thanks, Joe. Thanks, Mike. Anytime.